podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. It's another Who's Place, Who's Cast. This is Season 3, Episode 5. I am your host, Val Prohaska, and I'm joined by our founder and producer, Seattle Who. Welcome, Seattle. Hey, Val. Hello, everybody. It's good to have you. Good to be back. Um, not a ton of sporting stuff, actual results, games uh, to talk about. Uh, you know, the bigger news was that uh, Louisville had a we – who was supposed to play in football on Sunday wh- or on Saturday was um, – had an outbreak of coronavirus. And that game has been uh, pushed back until the 14th This coming Saturday, November. right? This coming Saturday. Turns out both squads just naturally had bye weeks. So – that was nice that, uh, it, we, you know, the game was not canceled. Right. Like, there's a date in the schedule, and it fits for both teams. So it just means both teams got their bye week a week early. Right. And, yeah, so uh, that works out and great. That, and Louisville's a team that, that Virginia needs to beat if we're going to have a winning record because Louisville's 2-5 and five and, and the Hoos are 2-4. and four and, um, So that's one that a lot of – very important for the team. Yeah, you know, Louisville's they they've got players. They just haven't been winning sure. games. So should be a tough one. Say the same thing about us. So, yeah. Um yeah. uh the word out apparently is that uh freshman wide receiver Lavelle Davis, mm-hmm. uh who's been missing for the last three games, is practicing. Oh good, yeah, because so, he was he was doing some great things at the beginning of the season. He was, and he's a he's a big target. Yeah. And they're nice to have, so yeah, yeah. So nice to see that. Nice to see that he's been um, able to at least start, you know, his way towards uh, towards playing back. So bye weeks are generally good. Uh, you know, the problem with a bye week, of course, is that you know it throws off your schedule. And I'm a firm believer that you know rhythm is king in collegiate sports. Especially if it's an unforeseen bye week like this one was. It wasn't supposed to be the bye week, you know? I know. So it's just it's just one of those things and I'm glad we were able to fit it in so seamlessly. But you know, we were starting to get banged up. Brennan Armstrong did not play the last series of uh the last game against UNC. So, you know, all the time he's gonna need as much time as he can get. So this gives it to him right now before we head into the stretch run. So hopefully it works for both of them. All right. And then you'd heard of, then you heard about basketball, the men's scheduling in basketball. So right, yeah, the um, St. Peter's was supposed to be our first opponent at Mohegan Sun on the 25th, but they have pulled out of that event. And I was looking for some information on why, you know, see, was it COVID related? Was it related to restrictions or something? But it sounds like their conference ha- has just announced that they're going to a 20 game conference season. And with that, St. Peter's didn't want to commit to, um, I guess what's what, I guess maybe the two games in Mohegan Sun or something like that. So that led them to back out. So hopefully it doesn't have anything to do any impact on the game of Florida. So, you know, that one can still go on because, uh, you know, that, that should be a great game. And, you know, really, would, well, I would hate to lose part that. Of our dynamite out of, out of conference slate. Uh, 
I guess more than anything, I'm hoping that we get at least one tune-up game. Yeah. Uh, before Florida, although it won't really matter as much. I mean, if Florida doesn't have a tune-up game, right? And, it's and the I, first game for both of us, then it's still a level playing field. I so. actually really like, and we might have talked about this in the past. I really like starting a season with with a really big game uh, because I think it has two main benefits for a team the first one being that i think it really focuses the players and kind of gets everybody's energy up in the preseason um because you know you don't have a tune-up you know you have to come out you have to be sharp and ready on your first game or you might get embarrassed and i think it really it kind of just gets everybody you know a little bit more motivated to be locked in and, and they're a little bit more excited with the anticipation of how the season's going to start and then I think the other really good benefit that you get is you find out, you know, where where the cracks are in your facade in the very beginning, and you have that chance to to you know work on them. And I I do think we've talked about this before because you know I I remember you know one of the teams that I coached we you know we scrimmaged a team that was better than us at the very beginning of the season and they beat us fifteen to one. Uh, and it's a soccer, you know, and it was fifteen. It, it was fifteen to zero until the last minute when we scored. Which, you know, I was I was excited that my team, they you know they stayed in it enough with their heads up enough to, you know, to be able to score, after while getting drubbed like that. And so I was able to use that as a positive for them. You know, look, I'm proud of you guys. And and the other thing was, you know, I I was able to see there were like two things that we repeatedly got beat on that whole game. So I just worked on those two things with the players and we ironed out those two things. And when we played that same team in a tournament at the end of the season, uh, you know, we tied, it was a two, two tie. And, and the only reason they were able to tie us was because our, our keeper did a, a youth soccer mistake. And, you know, so having sure. that, experience of playing a great team at the very beginning I, I think it benefited us from learning and I've seen it play out in, in in professional and collegiate sports too where a team you know a perfect example for me in UVA sports is that 94 90 no 93 94 team it got the absolute slobber knocked out of them by UConn when you know, Corey Alexander broke his ankle, and that team went on to have a good season. And I think that right. you know that experience probably helped the team to you know, develop. So, I, I, I well, I mean that's that, that's certainly the that's certainly the thought for anybody who's not John Thompson and is trying to schedule you know really competitive games out of conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole point is to be playing in March. And right to be winning on on multiple weekends in March, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what every team out there is playing for. I think as a fan, I'd rather I'd rather see these kinds of games, you know, our slate, which finally got to where I want it to be, you know, playing Florida, and we've got Villanova, and we have we drew Michigan State in the mm-hmm. uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's exciting for fans, right? So. I want to see better teams. So we certainly struggled a little bit in our out of conference last year. 
we weren't as yeah. good, and we really yeah. played down to the talent that we were were playing against, and it was frustrating. But I'd rather see us play Florida. You know, I'm going to always want us to try to beat get Florida. And of course, me getting Michigan State and the Big Ten mm-hmm. challenges a dream come true. So it's lining up to be a, a perfect out of out of schedule or out of conference late. So excited about that. Yeah, and we still we don't have we still don't have a, a schedule. We were hoping last week, you know, we were hoping this week we would have a schedule, and we were still hoping that by the time we record the Hoops Twenty Twenty episode two later this week, we'll have a schedule. Uh, but even there, we don't really plan to talk about the schedule that much in that because we have we have the teams and we have the players to talk about. So, you know, the next regular episode. We'll, after the schedule's release, we'll break that down, and hopefully we'll have that next week. The men's basketball program, rather than having a meet-the-team day with the the blue-white game like they've done the past couple years, they're doing it virtual, and it's they're breaking it up into five different sessions. They had one today. Now, Val and I are recording this on Sunday, Sunday night, so Sunday afternoon. Tony Bennett was streamed and they're streaming it on the official Facebook and Twitter pages of Virginia athletics. And then on Thursday, the 12th at, um, Oh, I've got to take my glasses off and get real close here. It's six thirty Eastern time. So that'll be three thirty out here on the best coast. Um, they're doing the newcomers. And by the way, they worded that. I assume that means the transfers as well as the incoming freshmen. So you would have uh, Carson McCorkle, Jabri Abdurrahim, and Reese Beekman, and then, if I'm right, Sam Hauser and Trey Murphy. So that I'm definitely going to do my best to log into that one. I will actually be on the East Coast there, so it'll be 6.30 from me, so that, that in, improves my chances of being able to to see it. And then next Sunday, the 15th, at, oh, got to come close again, 5.30, they're doing the sophomores. Then that Thursday, the 19th, they're doing the juniors at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Sunday, the 22nd, which is the last Sunday before the season starts, they'll be doing the seniors at 5.30 in the evening. So, um, yeah, actually, it's it's almost a little almost better. Maybe we get more time with the players. We get more time to meet each player a little bit more. So, um, looking forward well, to that. Well, the interesting to see, I, I, the, uh, the athletic department did the same sort of virtual streaming of, um, meet the, you know, for meeting the team. For you know the non-revenue sports, okay, um, you know men and women's soccer and field hockey and volleyball, okay, and they did them all on the same day, and you know we got 25 minutes uh, with the coach and uh, just a couple of players, right? But you know they were truly answering questions. I mean, I, I was on watching it through Facebook, and I typed a question in. Oh yeah, you talked about that. It, yeah, you know, so, okay, yeah, so. Yeah. So they, we, we've had a little bit of experience with that, and it's, it, you know, so in some respects, you know, thus, if, if you're a, if you're a, just a simple fan, you know, you might actually have a much better chance of getting your question asked. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, I was the only person asking questions on the on the women's soccer team, but <laughs> I would presume that I would presume there will be more interest for Bennett and the boys. Right. But nevertheless, I mean, they they were reading the questions, and it was it was an intimate moment, given that we're in the pandemic. Right. <laughs> you know, as close as I've gotten to come to be able to ask Anna Sumter and Taryn Torres any questions, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and you know, the more unfiltered they are. One of the things that was also nice about it is that, you know, the teams are all socially distanced. So it looked like Anna was in her dorm room and Taryn was in her dorm room and Swanson was in his house. So when I asked a question to Taryn, there's nobody else around her. It was a pretty, it was a pretty vibrant answer, (laughs) you know, that I, it was, was, it just seemed, I won't say raw because, you know, this was still women's soccer, but it was, it was unfiltered mm-hmm. maybe in a way that would be a little different if you lined up you know three players you know on a folding you know along a folding table and the coaches on the end right so it, this might be this might be a slightly different well it will definitely be a different uh meet the team event but th- th- this might have an interest uh, above and beyond what we would normally have mm-hmm. i normally wouldn't care but you know this is the pandemic and i'm bored out of my mind so Right. Uh, I'll definitely be watching these, you know, so. Right. Yeah, I always like to get a feel, you know, for who the players are. And sure, just, absolutely. So fun. what was your takeaway from Bennett? Did you listen to Bennett? No, I was not able to. Um, and to be honest, I, I feel like I know. I mean, what am I going to learn about Tony Bennett from this? So I've been closely watching and listening to Tony Bennett for 10 years now. So, um I didn't. I I plan to tune in for all the players. So that that's really my main interest. Um, and Tony's very good at respectfully answering questions without saying a, a thing. So that well, we call that coach speak. Yeah, yes, he's yeah, very good he's, at it. He's, yeah, so. he's great at it. And so he still practiced. So then, obviously, the the big issue which we mentioned uh, alluded to on our. Uh, on the hoops 2020 podcast was that, you know, when we're talking, if it's newcomers with a, with a plural and, you know, we are looking at other players, we're still anxiously awaiting the, an answer or uh, clarification on, of course, Trey Murphy's uh, cryptic tweet Mm -hmm. from last week where he said, what coming sooner rather than than later. later. It was hashtag sooner Sooner than than later. later. And, you know, Trey Murphy is a huge um, off guard uh, transferring from Rice. He was a, a fine three-point shooter, what, 38%, something like that? Yeah, I think 36 um, was, is what um, Sam said. So he's big. He'll be able to get off his shot. He took. He was an extremely high-volume shooter as well. Mm, seven so, shots a game. You know, yeah, so Three, if we were looking – seven threes a game. So if we're looking at adding, if we were to get him now to add with Hauser, I think it would spell the end of Statman's career and, you know, may very well, you know, drive a nail in the coffin of, uh, of Casey Marcel, but it would certainly make us stronger. Now Murphy came and he said right off the bat, I mean, I think the very first quote I saw from him was that he specifically wanted to redshirt. Right. 
So even as uh, tr- more and more waivers were being granted and the the NCAA was saying all kinds of things about ease of transferring, you know, during this pandemic, you saying that he wanted to get stronger. And yeah, he, even he said he, even, he wouldn't player. even apply for a waiver. And uh, it's interesting, even while the NCAA has been so, you know, easily handing out waivers, there, there's still a kid from Pitt who didn't who got denied. Yeah. Which is surprising now he's appealing and hopefully he'll get it. But I, I think what could have changed Trey's thinking was when the NCAA said that this year doesn't count. And, and right. that does kind of change things. So um, we'll see. I, either way, I, you know, he Trey, I, I think he'd be a, a good weapon and definitely help on the wing. Um, I, I disagree with you that – what he decides to do has anything to do with Casey Morsell because they play different positions. Uh, we called Braxton Key a guard. We called DeAndre Hunter a guard. And neither one of those guys played guard for us. Um, and we might call Trey Murphy a guard, but he is not going to play guard for this team. He is a forward. He's going to play a combo forward. Uh, like Hunter, he'll be an, an outside-in combo forward. But I think especially once he does bulk up, we're going to see him play uh, some at the four because it's become part of our, our thing. We do we do go perimeter oriented at times and and when we do that, Trey's going to play the four. So uh, you know Statman, I, I've my position on him is the same as it's been is if he if he can consistently hit threes, then there's a role for him. If he's a 40% three-point shooter, there's a role for him. It's just that so far to date in his career, he has not been that. He's not hit, He doesn't hit shots. And so if he's not hitting hitting shots, then he's vulnerable to other players. And, you know, when when Wolda Tensai did start hitting shots last season, Statman's minutes went way down. And, you know, if, if Murphy hits shots and Statman doesn't, then, yeah, it's going to be it for Statman. Otherwise, you know, if, if Cody does find his shot this year and you know he was he was a hell of a shooter in australia and a lot of times it doesn't translate to the acc but if he does find a shot this year then he's still gonna have a role because he's got a big advantage over murphy on the defensive end you don't come in right away and pick up this defense you know i definitely like murphy's talent and i think ultimately murphy has got a, a chance to be to follow deandre hunter's footsteps and and make it to the league. And, you know, that's definitely why he came here because he feels like UVA can best help him develop to that point. And I agree with him. And I I think he's definitely got a shot at it, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens this year. Okay. That was really weird. My phone sort of did a little wig out thing. Oh, okay. Okay. So I was going to say, I didn't didn't think he he should be that pissed off over me disagreeing with him. Absolutely not. not. (laughs) Okay. So I heard you down to saying that, you know, you thought, you thought that, um, you know, that, that Statman would have a shot if he did it, but that, you know, as always, you got to play defense under Tony. Yeah. If, if Cody can hit his threes at a reasonable rate, he's, you know, he's got a a shot to keep a role and and Murphy's not necessarily going to put him on the bench because he's going to have an advantage on the defensive end in terms of, you know, understanding of the system and, and, and that, you know, for the old Evan Nolte thing, Nolte's ability to be in the right place at the right time, 
it helped him to get a lot of playing time when Justin Anderson went out, where otherwise other players would have gotten that time. And so right. Cody has a chance to do that, but Cody can't be a liability on the offensive end or very likely, you know, Murphy's a dynamic player. I wouldn't be so definitive in, in saying, you know, what, how Murphy affects other players. Uh, Cause you know, Marcel, he, he's got his own competition. His, his role in the team is going to be decided by how he competes with Thomas Walter Tensai and Reese Beekman and Carson McCorkle and to some extent Jabri, uh, but Jabri is, I, I see Jabri as more of a three, and so right. I see him more in that competition with Cody and uh, Trey. You know, if Trey's part of that, if he's not redshirting, um, so I think really if if Trey plays, Jabri might be the one who loses out the most because you're going to have two very talented newcomers, but one of them is two years older and three inches taller. And, you know, Jabri, you know, I, in the statistics for him that I've been able to find and the film that I've been able to find, I would say he's more of a scorer than a shooter. So he's, um, yeah, if we're if we're looking for someone to bomb away from the outside and stretch defenses, I think Trey's going to have the advantage over Jabri in that. Um, but Jabri has got such a smooth, all-around offensive game. You know, he's a good jump shooter, but he's, I, from what I've seen, he's kind of of a king of the mid-range game more than being a lights-out three-point shooter. So. Well, I think that's how that's how Williford described him. To, in a 247, okay. Um, in a article, he basically said that you know Jabri's a, a three-level, sh- you know, three-level scorer, mm-hmm. meaning that he can shoot the three. He's got the mid-range, and he will finish at the rim. Right. Yeah. He'll so finish at the rim. you know, not have, being able to have that, you know, is is important. So, right. You know. Anyway, that was how he described him a month of you know after they'd been training you mm-hmm. know for a month. So. And then that's what I saw in his film. I, I tried to watch as much film on him as I could. And, yeah, it can be hard to find on these guys before they get to college. Once they get to college, it's easy. But. So, yeah, and, you know, Jerry Ratcliffe wrote about to Will Trey Murphy play, which I thought was interesting. So we'll see. You know, it sounds like there's, you know, there's a lot of smoke there. We'll see what happens, but... It, um, it's another factor, and and really, Trey Murphy also impacts Justin McCoy because while Justin's another combo forward, who when he did play last season, I think was exclusively used as a blocker. Um, if he saw any time as a mover, it was it was short and, and not in the regular run of play. But, you know, he was definitely, he, he's got a perimeter game and, and, you know, he was recruited to take DeAndre Hunter's scholarship and then that hole. And, so, and he's got, you know, he's good three point shooter, you know, in high school, good three point shooter, good with the ball in his hands on the dribble, get to, you know, would go to the hoop. 
playing transition. So he's, you know, he's there's another combo forward in the mix. You know, I, I if Murphy plays, that probably means McCoy is more of a four. If Murphy doesn't play, we might see McCoy in as a three in, in situations where we wouldn't otherwise. So there's a lot of flexibility. Well, there is. There is. But, um, you know, Bennett typically plays a fairly, sh- well, a shorter than I would presume uh, bench. Or, you know, he's got a shorter leash for most players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would... My when I coach, you know, I play everybody, you know, even on travel teams. Um, you know, that's one of the things I'm good at. I mean, I can rotate 20 players in and get them all meaningful minutes, you know, in a 60 minute soccer game. Yeah, when I when I was coaching travel, but, I never had a big roster. Um, clubs that I coached for were a little smaller, but I, I I'm with you. You know, when you're. Uh, Philosophically, when you're coaching youth sports, you play everybody. If you're, and at the travel level, if you're not going to play a kid, then don't put him on your team. Don't take him. Right. Because you have that discretion. You know, if we, when you're coaching just a rec team, you, you have to take who they give you. Great. But you also have the concomitant responsibility to play everybody. So you play, you figure out how to play everybody. And you keep your, you keep your perspective on that. But when you're coaching travel, and that's what I did. If it, you know, if I didn't see myself playing, I wouldn't take them. And if it meant going with, you know, with just thirteen players on an eleven-player, you know, team instead of right. fourteen or fifteen, then I'll just go with thirteen. And which has can have severe challenges at that level because yeah, it certainly can. You have I've a thirteen-player roster. You you know, you're never sure if you're going to have more than six or seven at practice. Sure. So I always went with bigger teams. I mean, I had 18, 19 players because, you know, I, I want as much development as possible. Mm-hmm. But but the point was that, you know, I would look at a basketball team and I would figure out more ways to get, you know, the back end of your rotation a consistent, you know, four to five minutes. Right. And that's just not Bennett's way. And no, and at, at the at every could at the collegiate level, they're not they're not that's not seen to be their job. They're there to win. And sure. so you play the guys who are going to help you win, and you, you know, and so I, you know, I would like to see it be different, but it's not, and and so I the and at least the players they understand that they understand that they have to earn their time, and and they're only going to play if if they're going to if their presence out there is going to help the team win more than somebody else being out there would. But it's kind of a hybrid because I, I mean I see college coaching I see college coaches as the last youth coaches because they're still oh, they're still in the business of teaching and of helping kids develop into adults and they're the last step of that. Um, so, and you know most coaches would say that you know that's why they're coaching you know that's why they're coaching at that right. level. Um, you know, because it's, it's all about development and it's all about personal growth and how you handle that adversity. And every team has to handle adversity, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, the Buffalo Bills had to handle adversity and they kept getting blown out in the Super Bowl. but you know, they handled it because that's what sports 
you know, forces upon you. But nobody was talking about the personal, you know, the personal growth, you right. know, the way that 90% of college coaches will do that. I mean, that's, that's part of the, the calling of the, of the sport. Right. And I, you know, I guess you know? at that level, when, since it is kind of your transitional, it's, it's appropriate to, to view the playing time that way and, and not the way we do in, in youth sports. So that, right. you know, I don't have any beef with it. Nobody can claim with any credibility that Bennett's not concerned with the, the development of his players. And it's, clearly it's his number one to him, you know, his number one concern out there. And he's proved that on many occasions as have a lot of other coaches. You know, there are coaches that you question that rightly from what you see them do, but, same thing at the youth level where it's really criminal but right so uh moving on uh we've got the uh women's soccer tournament uh acc tournament uh starts on tuesday all right and virginia made it they uh did secure the third seed which was appropriate the the two best teams in the ACC one and one a or Florida and, and UNC. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're team number three. So we are part of the big three right. and soccer fans, you know, refer to the big three teams in the ACC and we're, we're certainly one of them, but we are third. So we, uh, it was appropriate that we, we nabbed the third seed. We open up, um, on Tuesday, we play Louisville. The uh, tournament is as always being held down in Cary, North Carolina at the Wake Med Soccer Park, which is, I understand, is a gorgeous, gorgeous facility. Now that that is the facility uh, that the the national team will use at times, and yes, yeah, that's a the great nas- facility. The, the national tournament has been the the um the the they call it the uh, College Cup uh-huh. uh, because I guess Final Four is a trademark term, right? So uh, soccer goes to the College Cup, and Wake Med Park has hosted several College Cups. Yeah. And we'll host, you know, many more. But uh, we, we're we going to play Louisville. Should be, we are much better than Louisville. So this should, should, should just be a tune-up game. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, we've now had a, a week off, which is good. We've still got people battling injuries. But uh, theoretically, again, you know, if the results play out as expected, UNC will um, dispatch Virginia Tech. So it should be Virginia versus UNC on uh, Friday. Okay. The other half of the bracket is uh, Florida State, which uh, won on, I don't know which tiebreaker they used, but both Florida State and UNC were undefeated in the regular season. Florida State got the got the, uh, the nod, and so UNC is, if, if they're gonna. If UNC were to win the title, they would have to play two of the big three. Mm-hmm. So Florida State certainly, in this case, that that seeding helped because they've got Notre Dame, Clemson, and Duke on their side, and that's much much easier than facing UNC or Virginia on on the other side. So, you know, the the issue is always for Virginia is that we've still got we still have a lot of people injured. Um, I've talked a couple of times about Taryn Torres, which is she's a, a player that I, I absolutely love. Uh, she's got a motor like Kyle guys. She just, she just never stops, but she is doubly important because she is one of the, the few players who 
can play, can withstand a physical game. Her game's not physical, but you can't push her off the ball. You just can't. She turns on the ball beautifully. Uh, she reads the game. So Florida State and UNC are just much more physical teams than ours. And it must be how Steve Swanson wants it. You know, he wants players who are are skilled on the ball. They tend to be fleet. Um, but, you know, if, if Leonard Hamilton is comfortable playing without a true point guard, Steve Swanson is comfortable without playing with truly athletic, physical, powerful midfielders. Mm-hmm. And But we need Taryn Torres. She played against Florida State, which is about two and a half weeks ago now, and she was not match fit at all. You know, it's her first game of the season. She looked at maybe 25% effectiveness, and then she she missed the next two games. Our second, the game at, first game after Florida State, we went up to uh, Beacon Hill in Boston College, and it was, I mean, the, the weather was just frightful. It was 42, 43 degrees and an absolute torrential downpour, and maybe he felt it was just, not worth risking her, <laughs> right. um, you know, coming back for that venue. And I would agree, but then we played Syracuse and it was also cold, only spritzing a little bit of rain and she didn't play either. So I'm not expecting to have her for this tournament and we're going to really, really struggle against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I'm really mad at North Carolina. We talked about this right. last year, yeah. but you know, North Carolina, Brianna Pinto, demolished, destroyed our keeper Laurel Ivory in the last uh in the last last ACC tournament final. We ended up losing in double overtime. It she should have been carded, although and we had uh Steve Swanson on last year and that was one of the questions I wanted to ask him, you know, after the fact, you know, is you've had a you've had several months to, to think about this, you know, was it a red card? And he was sanguine and more professional <laughs> than I was. <laughs> he still said it was a bad foul, but he, he wasn't outraged about it. Right. And uh, Laurel Ivory had very nice things to say, too. She's a better man than I am. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, though, North Carolina and Brianna Pinto have a lot to answer for. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that next Friday, you know, at uh, 8 p.m., we'll, we'll get the Tar Heels are rollicking, shellacking. All right, but uh, you know, so we'll be able to we'll be able to talk about uh, all the women's soccer, you know, this time next week. But uh, one of the things we wanted to do now is move on and and just talk about the Who's Place site a little bit. Uh, we are very proud of of the things that we we can offer and are bringing to the fore this year. Uh, right now, we're busy going through uh, Seattle, uh, St. Louis Who's uh, team-by-team predictions. And, you know, last year's basketball preview, we probably logged 40,000 words mm-hmm. and, you know, dozens of videos. And we're still doing the same. But one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about is that uh, Seattle has, you've you've done a really wonderful job building up a video database. And I was just wondering that, you know, if you could explain how it works, because, you know, you don't have to go going to YouTube and try to find, you know, weird, you know, the highlight, the play you remember. Right. And 
we have the ability to do that here, thanks to your work. So what we wanted to do is spend the rest of this podcast uh, allowing Seattle to take us through his brainchild and just show us what you can do on our site. Yeah, it's really there's it's a um, video highlight database and also kind of a statistical database that because I do during the season I started the first one season that I have in full is 2016-17 so 16-17-17-18-19-19-20 it's four seasons and then I have most of 15-16 a few games at 13-14 and then one game at 12-13 where I went down and I charted every possession and it, it I started with what I chart is the plays that the players make that directly lead to a successful possession. So if we score on offense or we stop the other team from scoring on defense, that's considered a successful possession. And then I look at the plays that that directly contributed to that successful completion, and players get tags for those. Um, and, and some of those plays are plays that show up in the box score, and others are plays that don't show up in the box score. And the plays that don't show up in the box score I call glue plays. And these are things like a screen, uh, uh, man defense, or challenging a shot, boxing out on a rebound. Uh, a pa- Well, a pass, if it's not the assist, would be because I'm not limiting it to one pass. If there's three passes that are quick in quick succession that – each creates an advantage for the next one that leads to the score, and then all three of those passes will, will count, and those are all called glue plays. And at the end of each game, the end of the season, I can put the, there's you can have what's called a successful possessions index, which is the number of possessions, successful possessions to which a player directly contributed, and then there's the glue index, which is the number of glue plays that a player had, and and now. Do you also have a? Does this also include effective defensive plays? Yes. So yes. you know, defending other people's right. So yeah, like there's, there's, there's like, head. There's, this sounds like the Isaiah Wilkins index. Is exactly. What you call exactly. It, right? Yeah. Because yeah. like there's the hedge, <laughs> there's the recover, there's the challenge. Um, those are all defensive plays that count. Yeah, exactly. And Isaiah Wilkins was the the inspiration for me to do this because I wanted I wanted some way to quantify what he was contributing to the team because there were people on the message boards who were like, why the hell is this guy starting? Why does he play so much? He doesn't score. He doesn't contribute. And I'm like, the dude is the ultimate glue player. He does so much on the floor. When you really focus in on him, it it was, I loved watching him play. He could dominate the game without scoring. I know that was the worst part of being a Virginia fan there for a while was listening to people moan about Isaiah Wilkins. Yeah. And then Jack Salt. And it's like, Oh my God, people, you know, not everybody's going to score 15 points. Well, certainly not everybody's going to score 15 points, even if you're, you know, the running Rebels. You know, and they're not going to score that on a Tony Bennett team. They're, they have specific roles. So I, right. that was one of my attractions when I when I first came to, and I first found whose place, you know, three years ago, was going through there and, list, you know, as you just defined it, what is a glue play and trying to actually quantify it. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that we see and actually trying to put some data to, you know, that. And right, and the only the way you can do it is so. by watching video, breaking down video, because you can't, like, you can't pull it out of play-by-play sheets. You can't pull it out of stat sheets. There's right. only, and so, you know, like, look, coaches, coaching staffs, they all do this. 
all I'm doing is a, is a amateur version of, of what coaching staffs do. So they have all this data. They have way more data than, than my little glue index, but at least for, you know, at least for the fans, for a fan level of it, it, it gives us some approximation of what the coaches see. And, um, it's Absolutely. fun. I, I enjoy doing it. But the other part of it is, and, and really what got me started on this beginning was the highlight database. Because I wanted to make some highlight videos of, of the 2013-14 team to show people how exciting they, they were. And it's very difficult to find. And so I wanted a database. And so I set about making it. And now we have from at least the last four seasons. Like if you want to, If you want to go and get pull out every single one of Jay Huff's dunks, from 2019 to 2020, they're all on the site. You can do that on the site. You can go in and you can you can select video highlights, and then 2019-20, all games, all possessions, and then player Jay Huff. And under there, there's all the different tags, types of plays that Jay Huff could have made. And you you check off dunk and hit submit, and you're going to get a listing of every dunk that Jay Huff made. In 2019-2020, you can go back and do it for the year before and the year before. I, I've been hoping for some time to put in a multi-year search thing so you could pull out everything a player has done through his whole career. But um, to, to this point, I haven't had the time to, to write that code. because it, It's a little involved. Um, sure. So you can get... So if I wanted, go so ahead. If I wanted to find, um, you know, so if I wanted to find Jack Salt's no-look... Uh, past Tamamadia Diakite in the first Florida State game from two years ago, mm-hmm. I could go search Jack. I could go search Jack Salt assists. Yeah, well, you, you could. Have many. Well, you would do. <laughs> you, know? you would do. Yeah, you would do. You'd put in um, video highlights because you, you know there's going to be a video of this, so you, you check video right. highlights, and then you could you go down and you and you select games and when you click on the radio button for games it's going to show you all the games so just check off the Florida State game because you know the game and then you could go down to the bottom for players and select Jack Salt and then you could select pass pass and okay pass um and then click submit, and you're going to get all of the you'll get all the videos that I have of the in that Florida State game where Jack Salt made a pass that directly contributed to a score. So that's going to include the one that you want. It, there may only sure. be I mean, that might even be the only one. I don't know. There, you know, there might be two or three, but you know, that's <laughs> an many. easy way. Right, that's an easy way that you can find that. You know, another thing sure. you can do is, and these things I'm going to talk about now, you can either find videos. Or you can get statistical compilations. If you want to know what Kihei Clark did in the last four minutes of all of our games, you could go select. Um, you could select. Let's say you wanted you wanted to get his you know successful positions index. So you would do data summaries for your output, and then season 2019-20 all games and then you could go in and there's a section for possessions you click on advance and that's going to give you all kinds of choices you can select your half do you want both halves first half second half second and ot you could like you could select just ot and then you can pick you can pick any time slice that you want 
in half. So you can pick the last. You could pick the first. Let's say you want to see the first four minutes and the last four minutes of the game. You could pick the first four minutes of the first half, last four minutes of the second half, and then, um, and then you go down and you pick player Kihei Clark and you hit submit, and you're gonna get a statistical breakdown of everything I chart that he did during those time periods. And you can do that for videos. Let's say I want to get all the th all the three point. I want to find Kihei Clark's three point daggers last year, particularly the one against Virginia Tech. So I hit video clips. I'll do all games again. I'll do possessions advanced, and I'm going to go second in OT, and then I'm going to do last two of second half, and then Kihei Clark three, and hit submit, and that's going to get me the videos of all of Kihei Clark's three-point makes in the last two minutes of games. So how many did he hit? How many did he well, all right, let's year? do it. I'll, do, I'll let you know. I've got, all right, so there's okay. video clips. Yeah, I hadn't actually done this, but I'm going to do it now. Last two. Player, Kihei Clark, and three, and submit. Let's see, there's Louisville. 52 seconds left in the game. He hit the game winner. Actually, it put us up by four. We were up by one at the time. Virginia Tech, the game winner, 11 seconds. And it's just those two. Just those two that he okay. hit in the last two minutes of games. And you can do that. Hey, you want to go find you know, Ty Jerome's last two minutes? You can do that. Go back past years. It's all in there. I, I will be able to do that this season. I, I, at one point, I wasn't sure because it is time-consuming. I figure each game, it takes me... Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it takes me probably four or five hours per game to break down the video. Um, I was doing some stuff last season that made it take longer that I'm not going to do. I, I, there's some stuff I'm going to kind of pare it back to the essentials. But I, I can probably still invest three or four hours into a game. But... Oh, I know how hard it is. I mean, I just do, I just do, you know, comprehensive highlights for the women's soccer, and I mean, it takes me you know, it's an hour and a half, maybe. Right. Just pull, just putting together a, a five minute, a five minute highlight video. Right. And, but you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough. I just walked, you know, as the game goes on, I'm like, oh, I want that point, and I want that, you know. So, I, that's part of what I, you know, part of how I watch a women's game now. Mm -hmm. But it takes me it. it that's just a simple highlight video, and it takes five. You know, it takes an hour and a half. Right. Yeah, I. So I, you know, I, I know I, what kind of time commitment you're putting into this thing. I so. watch the game. I just watch first, and then I go back and I download. I get the video, and, I, and then I break it. I break it apart, and um, and I really enjoy the benefits of that during the off season and late in the season when I'm working on senior day videos and stuff like that. Because you know that that Enter the Huff Monster video that I made for Jay Huff. It, it was really easy to get my raw materials of that because you know, it was just all in the database. And then it was just a matter I got the soundtrack and the sound effects and that Dragon video and, and stuff and just kind of clip it all in to make something fun. Sure. So. Now, this is a feature that's only available to our subscribers or is this open to everybody? Well... You know, before we moved the site, 
anybody can do this can run the statistical searches and anybody can run the possession log search it's just that the videos would only show up for subscribers and so only subscribers have had access to the the video highlights but I'm going to drop a little secret to the listeners of this podcast at this point it's all wide open if you go to database.whosplace.com it's all there and it's all open and it's not going to be that way forever because when I get time, I'm going to figure out a way again to lock it up for just our subscribers. It's supposed to be a subscriber benefit, but right now anybody can enjoy it. Um, all right. So data database.whosplace.com. Yes. Yeah, so you heard it here and it's, it, it is really awesome folks. So I would, I would urge you to enjoy it. Uh, while well, you can, but uh, we are trying to up our game, as it were, right. to provide real content and a real benefit to uh, those who've chosen, you know, in the midst of this pandemic to sponsor us, and, and we appreciate it. One of the other things that we've we've mentioned a little bit is we have our new Hoops 2020 uh, podcasts. And uh, we recorded our first one last week. We're going to be doing that uh, midweek as well. So by the end of the week, they should be dropping. We're bringing in uh, St. Louis to talk about uh, individual teams. We ran through uh, all of the all of our power rankings and, uh, and awards last last week. Next week, we're going to be this week. We're going to be going through and. Um, starting to preview individual players, you know, sort of do a deep dive as as well. So that's another benefit that we that we're adding, you know, to this site for those of you who have supported us, and we thank you for that. Yeah, very much. Really, you know, and some of the support's been really gratifying. Uh, you know, we just got our first lifetime subscriber. Some somebody plunked down two hundred bucks to keep whose place going and you know that was like wow and you know so we're that you know really that kind of support makes it really all worth it because you know that's somebody who's not only expressing appreciation for what we do but also confidence like you know he's confident we're going to be here for four years because if we're you know if we're only here two years and he's paid a hundred dollars a year and everybody else is just paying 50 a year so he's confident that we're going to be here for four years and, and that you know, means a lot to me. So, well, you know, we're in a sort of a golden era of, of UVA sports. I mean, yeah. we, we've got uh, a real quality long-term coach on the men's soccer program, George Gelnovac. Mm-hmm. Steve Swanson is every bit as conscientious and caring and capable of representing the university as as Bennett. We of course have Tony Bennett. We've got Bronco Mendenhall with the, the football program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Brian he's struggling maybe baseball. a little bit more. Yeah. So yeah. Tina this Thompson is, this is a golden era. Brought in to do it the right way, women's basketball. There really isn't a coach. There isn't a coach in an EVA sport that, you know, that you can't say the same things that you can say about a, a Tony Bennett in terms of their yeah. commitment to their players. And it, it, it's, it's gratifying to me. And, it, it's really the only reason that I can be so passionate about UVA sports because I, I know that, you know, all of our coaches are out there dedicated to doing it the right way and leading their players and teaching their players and helping their players to develop um, 
and, and that that means so, so much to me. Uh, well, it does. I mean, I, I I fully subscribe to Mr. Jefferson's notion of an academical village, mm-hmm. and we graduate players, and the players that are there are taking classes. They're doing well in their classes. Uh, you know, they they are representing you know, Mr. Jefferson's university right. in a way that, that is just, it's the way it ought to be. So it's a, it's a golden era for sports. And I can tell you, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, this is one of the things that and there's so, and it's we, also a golden do. era for sports coverage. I mean, there's just a glut. There's so many, you know, sites now that, you know, it's, it's really a lot of competition for the attention and the support of the, the fan base and there's a lot of great stuff out there you know too so anyway well and we do we do all read that and we are aware of the competition and you know somebody else does something Ooh, i like that let's see what we can you know what we can do for ourselves so we're constantly searching all the time so uh, the last thing i want to say and before goodbye is uh olamide zacchaeus had a huge day for the falcons today in the nfl so congratulations to him it's great to see him carving out a, an NFL career. So, uh, congratulations to Olamide. Yeah, Day. yeah. <laughs> he he had one heck of a one heck of a great catch, you know, for his uh, first NFL touchdown. I think, right? I thought he had scored so. before. Me, he, he might have. He yeah, might have, I think I think he's I think he scored a, before. Joe Reed was the one who too. just scored his first touchdown recently. Yeah. So, anyway, they all right. It out, so. So that concludes uh, episode five. We'll catch you next week, same time. And for you lucky who's play subscribers, look for us uh, end of the week. Yeah, a couple of days. All right. Wahoo wah. Okay. Wahoo wah.